Ephesians 2, verse 11 to 22, and we read. But before we go there, let me just touch on verse 10, because that's where we left off last week. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did we get that? God prepared, what? His workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works and that we should walk in that. Let's pick up from verse 11. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, talking between the Gentiles and the Jews, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's where the unsaved are at the moment. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, Ephesians 2, 14. For he himself is our peace, who was made, who has, sorry, has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two. The Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek. Now we know there's a natural Jew, Okay? But in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's a new man. There's a new man. From the two, thus making peace. I want you to um, be aware of this word, peace. Because I think it's mentioned three times or four times in the next, from verse 14 to 16 through to 18, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through one cross, through the cross, sorry, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace. There it is again. That's the third one. To you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we have access by one spirit to the Father. So not all roads lead to God. Not all roads lead to God. Not all roads lead to God. The Bible tells us, for through Christ we both have access, that's Jew and Gentile, now Gentile being under the new covenant, being a new creation in Christ, 
we have access by one spirit to the Father. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God. I must read that again. You need to listen to this family. Now therefore, let's put our word in there. We are no longer strangers if we are born again. We are no longer strangers to God. We are not foreigners. We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Have you worked that one out? There's a household of God. There is a household of God. Family was not created by man. Family was created by God. Amen. So, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief corner. Now, you know what a cornerstone, this, that stone is in the original, it's simply corner. But you know what happens on a corner? The corner, there's a cornerstone and the whole point is for it to bring the two into one structure. So he brings the Jews and the Gentiles into one structure in God through Christ Jesus. And then he says, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So we are growing. Come on. We are growing into, we are ready, but growing into the holy temple of the Lord. Because there are more of us that need to be engrafted into this wonderful place called salvation in Christ Jesus, brought about by redemption, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That definitely bears repeat. In whom you, you, look at you and you. That's who we're talking about, you in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. This is not religion. We read it again. In whom you who are being built together for a dwelling place of God God in the Spirit. He doesn't dwell in this building. When we leave, He leaves. Amen. Be careful where you take God. Come on. So let me go back to Ephesians 2.10. I really like you to meditate on this and meditate on this and meditate on this because it's so important. And put yourself in the first person 
in this passage. For we are his workmanship. We. We are. Don't be looking at somebody else. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. For good works. So right there, the enemy has no authority through condemnation. Condemnation is probably worse in stopping believers and helping them, ushering them into doubt and unbelief because they believe they're not worthy because of past lifestyles. The Bible says we're his workmanship. He's working. We believing, but he's working. The more you believe, the more he works. Did you get that? Yeah. The more you believe, the more he works. Works what? He works your life for good. God, the Bible says in James, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. In other words, there's no respecter of persons. Every good gift is not you didn't make it. He gave it. Remind yourself, pride will never get in the way then. Every good gift comes from the Father. Every good gift. Every good gift, say to yourself, not in arrogance and pride, I'm a good gift to the body of Christ. Because that will begin to nullify condemnation. Very quiet in this house this morning. It will nullify condemnation. Yours and my good works are as filthy rags in his sight. There's a further one. This is just to help us, not to condemn us, to help us understand. When we go before the Lord one day, our works will be tested by fire. Why? Because God is a consuming fire. And because faith has its origin in the, wor in the Word and comes from the Father, only works that are done by faith will not be consumed by him. Cannot be, otherwise he'd consume himself. Can you see? But it's not a place of condemnation. And God is so gracious. God is so gracious that we'll be spared because of the blood. So even if you do nothing on the earth, I wouldn't advise you to do that, but even if you did nothing in the earth but serve God, the blood will bring you into eternity. You're just going to be, I think, disappointed when you see what could have been and what hasn't been. Amen. But again, it's not a place of condemnation. So what I want you to see this morning with redemption in Christ is the shed blood of Christ is the nucleus of redemption. Nothing else. Don't be conned by people telling you all kinds of doctrines 
They're doctrines of demons if they're outside of the blood. Anything outside of the blood is not God. Salvation comes to us because of the blood and our confession of faith in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're about to celebrate Easter, which is all about the cross and his resurrection on the third day. But I want you to get this. So the central part, the central part, that, that nucleus, the central part of redemption is the blood. And that brings just let me get here. That brings redemption, activity and growth, the blood. So when you saved, washed by the blood, that's not the end. Throughout your life, the blood keeps you clean. And there are going to be times. For many years, we were told, first we were told, plead the blood. Then we were told, don't plead the blood. I plead the blood. Amen. I don't know if you understood that, but... So, what we need to recognize again this morning is to remind ourselves that redemption is only available in Christ. Now, I'm going to drop some things in your heart, hopefully this morning, that you'll be able to pick up by the Holy Ghost. And that is that Christ, through the blood, has made you rich beyond measure. I'm not talking about money at this stage. I said, Christ, redemption, has made you rich beyond measure. When you learn how to access this truth, and where is it? It's in the heavenly bank account. Now, we've been taught, rightfully so, Paul talks about a heavenly bank account, and the reference is often related to financial and economic issues. However, there is a bank account in God, a heavenly bank account. And I want to unpack some of the things that you're not accessing your account on. You know, the biometrics of heaven are far greater than the biometrics in the earth. Unless God hears your voice in faith, you don't access anything from heaven. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Unless... The only way they worked out biometrics is because they're already in heaven. It's quiet in this house. I want you to see this. It is so important. What are the truths in our bank account? 
I believe the Holy Ghost is using it in this context to help us grasp. Because our bank account tells us what we are worth financially. Come on. Our bank account tells us the quality of life we will live. Come on. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? There is a bank account, and it starts with the blood. And through the blood, you become adopted. But the difference with this adoption is that you become a new creation in redemption. So you're not adopted where the original family has greater access than you do. No, God eliminated that completely. He said, although you are adopted, you become a joint heir with Christ. Now, if you and I believe that fully, our whole demeanor, our whole personality, our whole way of doing life will change forever. If you keep remembering, I am a joint heir. I'm, there's no spirit of lack in the joint heir. You don't see Jesus suffering from whatever disease sitting in heaven. It's impossible. Can you see? So, in our bank account, let me put some out there. You're accepted. When you were adopted, you were accepted as a joint heir. When you got saved, you were accepted. You did not get saved by yourself. Your Father in heaven called you. Sometimes we don't understand that. The reason it's so important is the only reason God can call us is because He loves us. And He doesn't love us conditionally. So one of the things that we're trying so hard to do in this plastic world is get acceptance. Everybody wants to be accepted. Well, the Bible tells me that God's accepted us, and whoever He's accepted, He honors. Are you with me? Come on, family. They access this. Enjoy forgiveness. The Bible tells me that unless we forgive, we can't be forgiven. Well, when we ask the Lord to forgive us, we received forgiveness. If we understand forgiveness, we won't walk in condemnation. If we understand forgiveness, we won't hide from God. Sin keeps us away from Him. Now, when I say sin, I'm not necessarily suggesting you went and became inebriated or smoked pot or something. I'm just talking about something where you might have got angry or 
and suddenly you feel condemned. So it doesn't matter how big or how small it is, what's important is you enjoy forgiveness. How about wisdom? Stop trying to make things work. Get the mind of Christ, because you already have his mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known the mind of the Lord that they may instruct him? But you have the mind of Christ to guide you in his purposes and in his thoughts. Do you have the thoughts of Christ? Because you should. This is your redemption. When we walk in our day, whose thoughts are we thinking? When we think on the Word, you see, when you live in the letter, think, when I make a statement like living in the Word, it sounds like, ah. Somebody asked me this week, what are we? Are we charismatic? Are we Pentecostal? We're word-based. Let me help you. We're word-based. What does that mean? We take the word literally. Whatever's in the word, that's our portion. And the Holy Ghost, we spirit moved because the Spirit of God is the teacher of the Word. Remember, the Father is the executive. The Holy Ghost is the contractor on the earth. I don't say that to belittle him. He causes the works of the Father and the Son to be implemented on the earth. And so it's very, very important. So what about wisdom? Well, Proverbs tells us, in fact, Proverbs is saturated with wisdom. Proverbs tells us that the principal thing in life is wisdom and understanding. That's in your bank account. Wisdom, understanding, it's in your bank account. When you're faced with a situation that you don't understand, there is wisdom from heaven. When you look at things and you literally say, I don't understand this. When you say that, you nullify drawing, understanding, from your heavenly bank account. The Bible is full of understanding. As you spend time in the Word, what about Zoe life? If we never have a conversation around these truths, we will never pursue them because how can you pursue something you don't know about? Now, these are not new truths. These are truths that if you study your Bible, you will see. The Bible speaks of God's Zoe life. What does that mean? 
it literally means that we can enjoy life as God has it. Now, when you look at that first off, or even third off, or even fourth off, you look like your life, you look at God, you go, how is this possible? Well, the Bible says, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. So it is possible. Because we haven't achieved it, doesn't make it impossible. We do not serve God out of our experience. We serve God because we love His Word, and that causes us to love Him. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So we're still talking about redemption. What about grace? What about grace? Well, the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. If we don't understand that, we don't draw down on the grace of God, then we're going to land up on the wrong side of truth. Grace is given to us to facilitate us coming out of situations that could cause us to sin in doubt and unbelief. That's literally what it means. And if you think you're not worthy, grace is unmerited favor. In other words, God doing this for you is because He loves you, not because you are now great. But in His sight, we are great. Got it? Getting it? Amen. So we're just touching on these lightly. What about heavenly citizenship? <clears throat> well, if you wanted to look at a citizenship in any extent of detail, then you would have to consider, and I'm going to use for the purposes of this, if you're a citizen, you travel on a passport. That passport opens countries to you, places throughout the earth. Is that right? <coughs> if something happens to you, your country of citizenship, while you are in a foreign land, comes and assists you. Normally. <laughs> Supposed to be. Governments are a bit off the mark at the moment. We saw America left their people, some of them anyway, in a war zone. But under normal, sane people, a citizenship gives you access. Now, the Bible also calls you an ambassador. Right? Now, you can't be an ambassador unless you're a citizen. So, as a citizen, you have rights and privileges that you should use. But here's an example. There's diplomatic immunity for diplomats. Did you know that? You know that, right? So if you're an ambassador, you have immunity against the earth and all that it represents. 
because this world is currently controlled by the prince of darkness, not God. God's not controlling this earth. If God's controlling this earth, I'm not going to heaven. There's no point. Do you understand this? People say God's in control. He's not in control. We are. He has delegated the authority through Christ Jesus to us. And we've done a pretty crummy job in looking after the earth. Collectively. Mankind. Not just inside church. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Come on, family. And that's what I want you to see. So when you look at citizenship, or to take it one step further as an ambassador, what happens is that in the embassy, if it's an embassy of substance, that person doesn't know any different. Their food's brought in from overseas. Everything is as it would be back in their country. That's a true ambassador. Now, how we functioning in this context under redemption. Remember, these outwork redemption. We're the redeemed. These are our rights and our privileges that we have. So we have to learn by the Holy Spirit how to give Him opportunity to teach us in these things. So we've seen the excess of grace around the world. So remember something today. If the enemy can't stop you, he will push you. Did you hear what I said? If the enemy can't stop you in a religious activity, he'll push you with the hope of defiling what you're trying to do in the Spirit. So, I want you to see this morning that out of redemption, that act of faith, it facilitates a complete restoration of us spiritually, mentally, socially, physically, financially. That's what redemption is. I can assure you that there's very few believers living in the fullness of that level of redemption. Now, don't pick up on condemnation because that's not the key here. The key is when the truth comes, we get set free. So, how come so many believers who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, the most powerful cleansing tool, there is no other. How come they're not living in the fullness of their redemption? And as you can understand, we're just touching on things slightly here. Well, it's because of ignorance. That's it. It's that simple. It's because of ignorance of their wealth in Christ. 
Now, I want you to be encouraged this morning because ignorance can be changed by being informed. And that's what the Holy Ghost is busy doing here this morning. So, the simplicity of eliminating that ignorance, which is self-inflicted in most cases because of lethargy, spiritual lethargy, indecisiveness. These are all aspects of us living for Christ. Because remember, He doesn't override our will. So this is where it starts. Matthew 6.33. That's how simple it is. To undo the ignorance. It doesn't happen in six weeks, but it happens immediately. It's like a paradox. It starts happening immediately, but it doesn't fulfill because it's a lifetime journey. And so that's what I believe the Spirit of God is bringing to us through redemption. To make us aware that as we seek the kingdom of God, a scripture probably most of us can quote, but we're not prioritizing seeking Him. When we got saved, He placed in our heart, and I've seen this probably hundreds of times, somebody gets saved, and all they want to do is learn the whole Bible. Go to the same person two years later in most instances, and they're hardly picking up the Bible. What happened? They allowed the enemy to bring about life. Let me, let me approach it this way. They allow life and all its activity and all its stuff to bring about a lethargy in the way they're serving God. It starts replacing truth. Because the enemy is behind it all. So the responsibility for us walking in the fullness of our redemption is placed squarely and completely in our hands, Philippians 2.12. And the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So it doesn't matter what's happening in the earth. As the redeemed, we're to say so. So what? We've just gone through some of the things we are to say. And if we don't do that, well, then we become those that have excuses and we live in a habitation of the spirit of lack perpetually. And that is self-destroying and causes us eventually to turn our back on God because you're looking after Charlie, Joe, and whoever else, but what about me? Can you see? So you're not to go there. You're not to make that kind of excuse because those excuses will destroy us. Let's go to close out and let's go to 1 Peter. And while we're going there, if we adopt God's word immediately with immediate effect, 
whatever area it may be, if we adopt God's Word and begin to speak God's Word, the change is immediate. You may not see the full manifestation, but I assure you, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so I want to close this out on this. You see, persecution can either cause growth or bitterness. Did you hear me? I'm on record many times of saying, I will not be a bitter, broken pastor. I have met them. No devil, not this man. No. No. Do you understand? Persecution either causes growth. And if you don't walk in what I'm about to give you, many of you will know the scriptures I'm about to read, but you need to re revisit them, revisit them four million times before Jesus comes. Because, okay, let me just finish this. Because bitterness will determine your response to God. If you get bitter, the Bible warns against it. So it's possible. If you get bitter, if you allow unforgiveness to fester, no matter what's happened, be careful. Unforgiveness eventually will lead to bitterness. Watch this. This is to us, family. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. By the way, those words, peace, that we read three, four times in Ephesians 2, the word literally means prosperity. Spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, socially. It literally means prosperity. When he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Because when you're not at peace, you can't even think straight. Amen. So blessed be the man, best be, sorry, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his, I want you to see your Father speaking to you this morning, to his abundant mercy has begotten you, it says us in the Bible, it's you, again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
Get hold of verse 4. Strap yourself in. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Listen to verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, if you quit the faith, there is no last time. Let me help you. Not one saved, always saved. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. Look why he gives us faith. To keep ourselves for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. And he rejoices here this morning. Come on. In this you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, if need be, doesn't say it will be. You might have missed that. If need be. Why? Because it's dependent on your decisions. If need be. If need be. If need be. If need be. You have been grieved by various trials. But then God blows life back into that situation. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Can you see that? God bless you. 